Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. Welcome back to the Howl, and we are here for regular season basketball. That's right, we've been waiting a long time for this. Felt like forever when we finally got some preseason basketball. Now we're talking real games that actually matter. And as a Wolves fan, I could not be more happy about this. Now we get to see what does this roster look like? How are these players going to play? What version of Anthony Edwards are we going to get? Are we going to continue to see the improvements we saw in the preseason? Anthony Edwards couldn't be more all-in this season so far. We look at some of the quotes that he has given us, and I'm telling you, this guy is fantastic when it comes to quotes. For anyone that has not seen the Marnie Gellner interview that he did recently, so good. The guy is hilarious. He says all the right things. He's got confidence. I don't watch him and think that he's cocky. To me, to me he comes off confident. I don't necessarily think of it as cocky. And part of that, I think is if you're going to be confident, you need to be good at what you do. You need to actually be able to do the things that you say. And so far, he talks, we listen, and he does it. He doesn't seem like a typical rookie to me, which is the exact thing that you need if you're the Timberwolves and you're trying to take that next step. You've got a lot of young pieces, and you need players to improve, and you need players to be able to step up if this team's going to be as good as they could be. And one of the most talented players on the roster, no question, is Anthony Edwards. And going into the season, the question that we ask ourselves is, of course, how good is Anthony Edwards going to be to start off, right? We don't know. We have lots of question marks there. There's no sort of guarantee when you look at Anthony Edwards. And there's a reason why there wasn't one guy that everyone said, this is the guy you take if you're at number one. There's a reason for that, right? Well, we're watching it now, early on in this season, Anthony Edwards looks absolutely like the real deal. Looks like he was absolutely the pick for the Timberwolves. Now, I'm not trying to discount what other other players have done. Although, let's maybe hold the phone a little bit on James Wiseman. 
I'm not a big James Wiseman fan. I didn't expect him. I wasn't saying that he was going to be a bad player by any means. For anyone that listens to my NBA draft show, Robin Hoop, I was very clear about this. I think James Wiseman could be a capable player, but he had a lot of work to be done. There was this almost like a consensus that James Wiseman is just this amazing player. He's going to be, he can shoot threes. He can play great defense, high IQ, all these things. And if you watched him in college, that was not there. You saw him have the ability to outperform players that he was better athletically than. Smaller players, less talented players. When you're taking that jump, and if you look at how he played against Oregon night and day, the only team that he had to play, that was one game where he played against top competition, and he looked bad. Don't look at the box score. Do not look at the box score. Watch the actual game. And if you watch that game, you will see mistake after mistake after mistake. Leaving his feet when he shouldn't be, when he's trying to block shots. You know, buying into pump fakes. Shot selection was bad. I had lots of question marks. And if you really were watching him, if you were really paying attention to James Weissman, then you would see that there were big question marks there. And that's why I labeled him as a project center That is why I did not want the Timberwolves to have anything to do with him at pick number one. And if Carl Towns wasn't on this team, maybe, maybe it would have been a different conversation if you're the Timberwolves. But again, I still look at him as a project center. Now, he's had a couple games where the stat lines look pretty good. I can't claim that I've necessarily watched that second game very closely, but I watched a decent amount of that first game. And he was able to perform against the lower quality players. The garbage time minutes were where he did his damage. Now, I've had some conversations with people that watched that game, and they've said that's not the case with game number two. I have to kind of take a look at that, and I'll I'll talk more on stuff like that probably on Robin Hoop. But as of right now, if you're just looking at the rookies and who's performing well, who's not performing well, uh, Weissman's been solid. Again, take it with a grain of salt if you ask me. But Anthony Edwards, to me, is in that early top rookie conversation. And the one thing I want to stress, and I cannot stress this enough, is it's been two basketball games. That's counted. One, two, two basketball games. That's it. Do not overreact to anything that you see. In the last night's game, Jim Pete talked about how, and it might have even been Dave Benz, actually, and they talked about how, you know, a month from now, the players might be in a completely different position than they are now. You look at last season and the Wolves' first 10 games or so, and they looked like a completely different team than what we had seen in the past, right? Carl Anthony Towns was playing fantastic defense. That was a talker. Now you look at the end of the season, is that the same conversation that we were having? It's not. It's a different conversation completely that you're having at the end of the season as opposed to what you had after those first 10 games. So those are the things that you have to keep in mind when you watch two games of basketball. But two games in, what would you like to see? You want to see positivity, right? You want to see signs of growth, signs of change from some of these players, and that's what you're seeing. So again, don't overreact, but at the same time, the best outcome is what we've seen. Two fantastic basketball games, lots of good play from tons of different players, uh, none of which were power forwards, of course, and we'll get into that. But we'll jump in now to uh, game number one, but again... The storyline to start this season, one of the biggest ones, is Anthony Edwards. And so far, he's the real deal. So uh, looking at that first game we took on Wednesday against the Detroit Pistons, and we'll kind of break down the game, 
kind of go through it start to finish a little bit and then uh, touch on some of the statistics. I st- to me personally, uh, some questionable officiating early in this game, a number of close calls all went to the Pistons. A little frustrating to watch, and that on top of the fact that I didn't think we were playing all that well. Very slow start. Uh, seemed like the Wolves had a lid on their basket. Nothing was falling. Good looks, good inside looks. Open shots just weren't hitting. Edwards comes in early. Uh, Beasley actually got into foul trouble. And what I love about Edwards is he's super aggressive, not just on offense, but on defense as well. But you're definitely seeing a player that's looking to score. Some game notes. Nas, the first big off the bench. D'Lo off the bench due to a team rules violation. He was late. My understanding is he was late for his COVID test. Uh, That's one area. I have seen people that are ripping Ryan Saunders for that. I'm sorry, but if you're a head coach of an NBA basketball team, you need to have the leeway to do things like this. Players need to understand that you are in charge. And this idea that, I'm sorry, but Ryan Saunders hasn't done enough for him to have this right or have this power. I call BS. He's an NBA head coach. And if you are going to give an NBA head coach, I'm sorry, but if we're going to take a knife to a gunfight, it's not going to work. He needs to have the ability to have control and have that power. You, if you're a player and you have a head coach that doesn't have that power, how are you, how are you going to view that coach? Are you going to have the respect that you need to have for someone that is supposed to be your superior? Ryan Saunders is very young. He's one of the young, In fact, I believe he's the youngest head coach in the NBA right now. There's a lot that comes with that. There's a lot that comes with that title. Now, I do think he doesn't have the full power of some head coaches, right? You're not giving him the power that you're giving Greg Popovich. That's something that is common sense. Rosas has a lot of the power in that relationship. This is true. But in certain aspects, Ryan has to have the ability to do what he needs to do. And this is one of those instances where Ryan did exactly what he needed to do. Because COVID is no joke. The process that the NBA has put into place is no joke. And I love that he is able to put his foot down and say, here's the deal, D'Lo. All right? You might not think it's a big deal, but it's important to us. And I have to show that. And I have to set the example not only for you, but for the other players on this team. And I have to say that I don't care which one of you do this. I don't care if it's one of our better players in D'Angelo Russell. I don't care if it's one of our... You know, lower players in Ashton Hagen's a two-way guy, right? That maybe isn't as important. I don't care on the totem pole which player you are. You are going to be held to the same standard when it comes to certain things. And I think that's incredibly fair. And I completely disagree with the people that think he kind of uh, overstretched his ability or overstretched his power. Now, uh, second quarter, as we jump ahead, more of the same. Wolves missing lots of shots, uh, but also taking some tough looks. Ball movement is not good. Uh, the, lo- the lone bright spot for me being Edwards, of course, who honestly, as you're watching this game, you're saying to yourself, he looks like the real deal. D'Lo continues to not just impress me so far this season. Um, I-, I watch him, and I-, I just don't see what I need to see out of D'Angelo Russell. The Wolves, to me, need him to be a lot better if they are going to be successful. If you look at this team... And you're going to say, Carl Towns is a superstar, right? Let's say that. Well, I've been touting all this offseason. I've been saying that while I don't think D'Angelo Russell is a superstar, I do think he is a star. He has to play that way consistently. We need that. Now, you live and die a little bit. We talked about this in the preseason episode. You do live and die a little bit with D'Angelo Russell. He's going to take some really difficult shots. He's going to take tough shots. And the key is, is he going to make them? Is he going to miss them? 
You live and die by that shot selection because that's what he's going to do. And that includes some two-point shots that you're not going to like. That's part of what his game brings to the table. But he's a good shooter. And he makes good decisions. To me, at this point, as I'm watching this, I need him to do more. But it's early on. Uh, With eight minutes to go in the second, uh, the Wolves, to me, I watched this and I felt like they were lucky. Only down 10 points. Felt like it could have been a lot more just the way they played. We mentioned uh, some questionable calls at the beginning of the game. Just in general, there was not a lot going their way. And to be only down 10 at that point, I thought was very good. Also, it feels like the Pistons have all the luck at this point. You're watching, and the Wolves just cannot seem to catch a break. And to me, it's very similar to when you watch a basketball game. A good example of this would be a number of years ago, the, the Gophers played Michigan State. And in the first half, they shot something absurd, like 87% in the first half. And right, you say to yourself, there's no way that they can maintain this, right? This isn't going to be something that's, they're going to be able to continue. And that's kind of how I feel watching this game. Uh, Culver's confidence, night and day from last year. And to be fair, he looks better in all facets of the game. So offense, defense, decision-making, shooting, the man put in the time. For anyone that doesn't know, the house that he's renting, he rented a house that had a court there so that he could practice. Now, I, my, the way they explained it, my understanding would be that it's like an indoor court. There are, uh, there's a lot of houses actually in Minnesota that do that now. So that people, you know, that your kids or whoever, you can play basketball year-round. So he rented a house such as that so he can get that work in, which I really appreciate. And it is showing. And I really appreciate We've always heard what a hard worker he was, right? A good example of a guy that works hard, but maybe you don't see those improvements, is Zach Levine. Zach Levine, a fantastic shooter. They talk about how hard he works. He's a gym rat, all these things. And yet his time with the Wolves never got any better on defense. So that's one thing that uh, kind of interests me because you see Culver, he puts in the time, right? He's a gym rat, and you're seeing the improvements on both ends, and that's exactly what you want for a guy that was drafted in the top five for a reason last year. And if you look at players on this team and you say to yourself, all right, there's rumors out there that maybe the Wolves are going to go after a guy like P.J. Tucker. Would you be willing to throw in Jarrett Culver? And to me, no chance. He is 100% untouchable. That's me. That's me personally because his value is not going to be where it needs to be if you're going to trade him. On top of that, if I had to trade a guy, if I had to, like gun to my head, I don't have a choice, I got to trade one of the wings, it's got to be a Kogi. And I don't take that, I don't make that decision lightly. I'm a huge Kogi fan. I love what he brings to the table. I, I just think if you had to trade one guy, that's the guy that it has to be because we have not seen enough from him offensively Great defender, no questions asked. Honestly, probably one of the best like man defenders out there in this league. There's so much to like about him, but that's why he would have some value, and that's why if you had to trade one, you can't trade Edwards, and you can't trade Culver because both those guys look like they're going to be surefire two-way players, the wings of the future on this team. Josh Okogie, there's more question marks there, and that's why if you had to choose one, if you had to make a trade, to me that's the guy. I will add this, though. People love to hate on a Kogi. But early on in this game, first game, I watch him, and when he has a good look at a three, and this is in the preseason, too, when he has a good look at a three and he takes his time, he makes it. The problem is he has a tendency to rush his decisions, whether it's shooting, whether it's dribbling, whether it's passing. He has a historical issue in terms of making decisions. But we're definitely seeing a step in the right direction as far as that is concerned. And for the most part, again, if he has a good-looking shot and he takes his time, I think it's going in. The form is solid. And 11-2 scoring run 
And just like that, in this game, the Wolves are right back in this. They are down 51-46, to four minutes to go in the first half. How about Edwards' stat line so far? 11 points, two boards, and three assists. And that's not taken into account some stretches of really good defense. Now, on the last show, I touched on the idea embracing defense, playing a Kogi and Culver together. And Ryan tried this exact thing, and it paid off. Some very good lineups when you see both those guys on the court. Now, the one thing I will say is the Wolves have to understand defense better. I know it's going to take some time, but if you watch this team, D'Angelo Russell is not going to be able to guard Blake Griffin. And on multiple possessions, without help, D'Angelo Russell had to guard Blake Griffin. Makes no sense to me. I understand the switching concept. I understand all that. But the one thing the Wolves have to get better at is noticing those big, huge mismatches and finding a way to either switch again or at least get some help there. Because when, when he's able to just back him down, that's, that's trouble. The difference being, uh, and this talks about how impressive Okogie's been so far in these first two games, but he looked really good defensively. I mean, Blake Griffin was basically able to do almost nothing in that game when he was guarded by Okogie. So hopefully we can continue that. In every game, you're going to have mismatches. I just thought at this point, I'm watching this thing, all right, Russell's had a few too many of these where he's getting caught up on Blake Griffin, and it's, and it's going poorly. Now, Russell, for himself on the offensive end, misses a long three at the buzzer, but we're only down 1.57 to 56 going into halftime. So very slow start for the Wolves, but a very nice finish in that first half. Uh, one thing, interesting lineup that I noticed that got used in the first half. So they, there were a couple times where they kind of moved things around a little bit, but when you watch the lineups, Lehman didn't play much. So he starts the second half, but when he came out in that first half, never came back in again. And I think a big part of that is he just didn't make himself known. He didn't make a big impact. And I think that, I think that is an issue. I think that is something to keep, in mind, keep an eye on going forward. The other thing we run into, four fouls. Uh, Towns is a little bit of foul trouble in this game. One thing that was an issue last year is cheap fouls. And so far early on in this year, we've seen the same thing. And as you're uh, towards the end of the third in this game, four fouls on Towns. And like I said, a lot of them were kind of silly fouls that I think he could have avoided and he needs to avoid going forward. Now, I had a little bit of a discussion uh, with some other Wolves fans about this, but it's weird because certain players seem to be allowed to make, uh, let's say, illegal screens. Certain players are allowed to travel. There's certain players that are allowed to just do certain things, and they get away with them pretty consistently. Towns does not get away with screens that other players are allowed to, to put in. So he, to me, he needs to work that much harder just to make sure, look, I'm set. I'm there. The key, one thing to keep in mind when you're, when you're watching screens is the guard or whoever they're setting a screen for cannot move too early because if you move too early before that screen is set, they're going to call a moving screen nine times out of ten, of course, Unless you're Clint Capella in the playoffs against the Wolves, then you can do it all you want, and they'll never call it. But that's the general thing we're looking at there, is being a little more sound in form. And a lot of that's you know going to come with time because he's still trying to work out those kinks, I think, and that aspect of his game. So Wolves tied up early in the third, but unfortunately it was short-lived as the Pistons go on a 12-0 run. So we talked about in the first half where slow start, and it really seems to be a little bit of that as well, as the Wolves start off a little slow in that second half. Eventually, Lehman comes out, and the Wolves go on a run of their own, and the team looks better. 
And and to me, that's what we saw in that in the first half, and then in the second half. And this has been a common theme: uh, the power forward position. We have not gotten good productivity. Whether it's Lehman, whether it's Wancho, those are real concerns. Wolves down eighty-five to eighty after three quarters. Uh, Aaron Gomez misses a wide-open layup, and sadly, the team. Honestly, in this game, it missed a number of wide-open layups. And in this case, Hernan Gomez would have tied the game. And I'm going to add him to the list of guys that we you know, could have done without in this game. And if you're watching this game, you say to yourself, man, uh, Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson sure would look rice- nice right now. Now, the local guys, people have reported that he would not have been a part of the 10-man rotation. You just see what you're getting out of Lehman. You see what you're getting out of Wancho. And there's definitely some concerns. But at the same time, if RHJ, number one, isn't the best fit in terms of the scheme that we're using, and then on top of that, if he wasn't going to crack that rotation consistently, it wasn't worth the financial windfalls, the issues that we would have run into uh, down the road in terms of tax and things like that. We need that flexibility. Now, weird sequence. As Russell turns the ball over, he looks at the official, clearly fouls on purpose. The ref doesn't make the call. And instead, allows a wide-open fast break and two points for the Pistons. This always makes me so frustrating. If you look at a ref, you're like, look, I'm following, I'm following, and the ref's just like, nah, I don't care. That's happened to me on numerous occasions, not only when I've played, but when I coached as well. I had numerous instances where that happened. It's so frustrating. And again, I'm not, I'm not mad at the officiating as a whole in this game. But there were stretches where you just kind of shake your head and you're like, oh, this is so frustrating because that's two points. We had fouls to give. There's no reason why the official can't make that call. And, and Russell was pretty pissed about that, and he should have been. As we move forward, Jake Lehman shoots a three. And here's the thing. When I watched Jake Lehman shoot, it was immediate that I knew it was a miss right when he shoots it. When you watch him, zero confidence. And instead of being a one-point game, Pistons get an easy transition bucket. You have a huge, that's a five-point swing right there. Now, with 6.36 to go, the Wolves are down 93-89 to as Towns is coming back in. Now, while he wasn't amazing by any means, I will say in this game, Nas Reed was solid. In terms of his role as a backup center, I thought he was admirable. I thought he did a solid job. Another odd play, as Okafor is allowed to push off Towns' shoulder to go up and over him for a tip-in. And this was actually touched on by both Jim Pete. And Dave Benz touched on this. Or Dave Pete, or sorry, Dave Benz noticed this and said, "What was that?" And they watched it back. Clear as day, like leaps off of Town's shoulders to gain leverage. That's a clear foul, and no call. Unfortunately, very frustrating. Uh, Culver though scores on the fast break. And how about this for a stat line? We talked about him improving, and at that point he has a double double: ten points and ten rebounds. Ninety-five, ninety-three. The Wolves are within two. Can they finally get over the hump? You're watching this, and you feel like every single time they get there, they tie the game, or they're just close, and they don't take the lead. But Rubio with two straight steals, and the game is now tied 95 with 515 to go in the game. Wolves have had a ton of chances to take the lead, but honestly, so far, every chance they get just come up a little short. But it is Pistons ball, tie game with four minutes to go. Moving down the line, Towns, he's able to hit a three, and the Wolves are finally on top. Kogi pump fakes, gets clearly fouled out of the basket, no call, and that has happened on more than one occasion tonight. Again, I'm not blaming the officials in this game for how this game went, but there were stretches where I do think if things went a little more our way, this could have actually probably been a much bigger victory. So, and this is what's frustrating about it is it gets fouled, 
no call, and it leads to a Pistons break, and they take the lead just like that. How many times have we talked about that? In this game specifically, refs making mistakes that have led to easy Pistons points. Russell, though, gets up to 18 after a Wolves after a Wolves 3, and then the Wolves are up 2. And then a Beasley 3, and the Wolves are up 5, and they never look back. Final score in this one, 110-101. to So this is a fun game for the first game of the season. There's, there's things you saw. You say to yourself, that's got to improve. But at the same time, you saw a lot of things where you go, all right, I like that. That's pretty solid. Uh, Taking a look at the box score, and you know, there's a number of Wolves that played really well. How about Malik Beasley? 10 of 18. He finished the game with 23 points, and he was a plus 12. You know, the, the guy, and this I think tells a lot of the story. If you take Lehman and Wancho, put them together, what does that equal? They were a minus 22, 15 of which was Jake Lehman. And that's what's crazy about that is he only played 16 minutes. I mean, that's, that's not the thing you want to see. Wancho, minus 7. He only played 11, 12 minutes. Those are problems, and those are the players that need to be better. I expect more out of, those, out of that power forward position, and there's a reason why we're hearing P.J. Tucker's name, right? Because the guy can stretch the floor. He can do so many different things. He can defend. He is arguably the perfect player to put in this lineup next to Towns. Of course, the issue being he's older. He's 35, 36 years old, and what's it going to take to get him? I think the asking price is quite high, and that's going to be the issue for the Wolves because you can't afford to give up much. You don't have your draft pick for next year. You don't have the ability. You have some assets, but they're player assets, and they're player assets that you need, especially given, again, P.J. Tucker is an aging player. How much longer is he going to be effective? There are questions there. Now, granted, he has not been in the NBA this whole time. I do think that his body probably doesn't have that standard wear and tear we see with most 35, 36-year-olds that have been playing in this league you know, since they were in their early 20s or since they've been like 19 or something. So that's one thing to consider. But we need more out of those power forwards, right? Uh, taking a look at Ricky Rubio, uh, one thing I'll say about Rubio is I thought he could have been better. Just something about it, he just doesn't look, he looks a little off to me, but plus 17, right? Josh Jacoby, plus 17. Carl Towns, plus 11. Malik Beasley, plus 12. Uh, Russell and Edwards are both positive. Uh, these are really cool things to see. Again, Russell with 18 points, uh, just two turnovers to his you know, four assists. Now, we're talking about the starting point guard, right? DeAndre Russell's starting point guard. But to me, he's not a primary facilitator. That's just not how he's being used. They use him off ball some, right? You see Josh Okogie bring the ball up sometimes. Malik Beasley brings the ball up. You see rotations where... He's playing with Ricky Rubio, where Rubio's bringing the ball up. On top of that, a lot of his minutes are with Carl Towns, who has, early on in this season, has made it a goal of his to be very effective as a passer. Carl Towns in this game, 11 rebounds, which is great to see, but 7 assists and 22 points. That's a solid stat line. And to me, you watch that game and you watch his emphasis on passing, and you're going to see, I think, a number of triple-doubles this season. Add in the two blocks, by the way, also had a steal. The defense was improved from Carl Towns. How long? We will see. We'll see how long it's going to take, how long he can keep that up, I should say. That's going to be one of the big question marks for me, just because of how last year went. Now we move on to the next game that happened just actually last night. I'm recording this on Sunday, and we're talking about the game where the Wolves take on the Utah Jazz. So this is regular season game number two. Defense looks really, really good early on in this game. 
And with three to go in the first, the Jazz are sitting at 17 points. That's it. That's that's all you got to say. You look at these Wolves, and a lot of times they're letting up 30, 40 points in that first quarter, it seems like. Teams are on fire early on. And the Wolves came out with a fantastic game plan, put the pressure on, and were very solid. Edwards comes in, immediately takes over the game. He's aggressive on offense, and he has a quick seven points. Towns, by the way, looking for blocks in the first quarter. And just in general, the engagement is there. Although, I will say this, he's become more of a passer in situations than a scorer on offense. That was very apparent in last night's game. Uh, One thing that I will say has hurt the Wolves a bit in this game is defensive rebounding. Too many times I've noticed plays where the Wolves would allow, you know, tough rebounds, not tough rebounds, but rebounds. You have to be better on the defensive glass if you're going to win basketball games. Now, granted, I get it. I get that you've got Rudy Gobert. The guy's fantastic, right? But box out. You need to put that aggressiveness. We're talking about defense. Make it a part of the defensive rebounding as well. A big part of defense is defensive rebounding. Second chance points is a big killer. You're going to lose a lot of games if you're letting that up. Nas Reed, by the way, looks much more comfortable and really more like his old self so far in this game than I thought he did in game number one. As Jim P points out, he looks slim and in shape. Not that he wasn't last year, but one of the knocks of his coming out of LSU was that. There were some shape questions. There were some fitness questions. I don't think we have that question mark anymore. I do feel like we're at a point now where we can be pretty happy with the, the conditioning he's in. I will say this. I love how Reed fights on defense, and I think I'm one of the few that likes what he brings on that end. Defense continues to be solid in the second quarter. Love to see that. Consistency is going to be the key for us. Another game, I will say, Towns gets a screen fall. We talked about this when we're talking about game number one. It's just something that keeps happening, and he gets called for it constantly, and you can't have cheap fouls like that. Jazz getting in, or sorry, Jazz getting to the line and are 11 of 11 to start this game, and that's a big storyline, is their ability to get the free throw line and the ability to make shots. Wancho so far still a no-show in this game, and he's on the court, but just not contributing. You wouldn't even know he was there. And that's, that's a frustrating thing uh, for a team that's paying him a decent amount of money. He needs to be better. At the five-minute mark, Wolves holding the Jazz to 37% from the field. And uh, the Wolves are up 54-43 to 43 in the second. Lehman feels like Wancho. I will say that. You know, you ask, what is he doing on the court? You're just not seeing the positive. Now, granted, between the two, it's Lehman, right? If you had to take one of those guys out of the lineup, it's Wancho. The guy's just, I don't even, he looks like he's never played an NBA game in his life. You're still seeing some things that you can take away from Lehman's game. He moves well. They asked the question last night. It's weird that Lehman doesn't get the ball. He's moving, he's active, and it just doesn't seem like they're finding him. That's a storyline to watch for. Both those players, Lehman and Wancho, which one's going to show up first? Are we going to see a trade? What's going to happen with that power forward position? So far, I think we can all agree that the best thing we've seen is when a Kogi's played down there. 24-16, to 16, by the way, at this point, is the rebound advantage for the Jazz. And to me, that's the biggest issue the Wolves have faced so far. Wolves have played fantastic basketball, but we talked on the defensive rebounding. Just in general, the Wolves need to be a better rebounding team. Culver, redemption does continue in this one. He hits a very pretty corner three, and then, just like that, he hits another corner three. Followed up by a steal and another two points, 30 bench points so far for the Timberwolves. Both Towns and Gobert do have to leave the half 
earlier than they'd like with three fouls in this one. So that's obviously a storyline to watch. Reed, unfortunately, as the first half is starting to dwindle down, takes a hard foul, really seems to be in a lot of shoulder pain as he heads to the locker room. D'Lo, though, hits a step back three, and the Wolves end up taking a 15-point lead into the half, 68-53. to Towns draws the charge early in the third, and Gobert gets pulled with four. A number of questionable calls in that third quarter, but the Wolves also just haven't been able to hit shots. Big thing we saw was that problem in the first half. Couldn't hit shots. But despite the officiating, despite the shooting, Wolves are still able to find a way to muster a seven-point lead. Towns have been very impressive to me in this game You know, when you're watching him as a passer. And to me, he's clearly continued to make it out of focus this season. I said last year, and people have disagreed with me, but I was very clear. I think that Towns is just as good a passer as Jokic. A lot of it depends on how he's used. And we're seeing early on in this season that Towns is making that effort to be that passer. Now, Edwards continues that dominance that we talked about in that first half and in game number one. He hits a Dirk move that one-foot fadeaway to get to 16 points in this game and continue to push that Wolves lead. Again, in this game, just like we talked about last game, Rubio still seems out of sync. I do think in time he's going to be fine, but that is something to watch for. I do think that there have been some issues with him as far as, I don't know if conditioning's part of it, but something just seems a little off. Making some poor decisions at, at times. There was a play where we were looking to start a fast break, and Rubio tries to throw, like, heave the ball down. It gets intercepted. And as they talked about during the telecast, even if he makes it through with that pass, there's players there. He's not going to probably be able to score. It's just the risk is not worth the reward to me in that, in that instance. In the third, Reed ends up coming back, which is great to see, and he comes right back in, and he hits a triple. Exactly what you want to see from Reed, who last year was a very solid three-point shooter, but early on in the preseason and then in game number one, we have seen him struggle a bit from deep. Now, with two minutes to go in the third, the Wolves' lead is all the way up to 17, 86-69. Now, I will say this is not a major problem, but we need to box up at our defense. You talk about that on the first half notes, and here you are again. And I will say this, you cannot let up offensive rebounds. There, and the reason why I bring this up again is one specific play. The Wolves had three guys under the basket, and they lose out to one Gobert. That cannot happen. If you box out properly, go low, push back into that player that's behind you. He can go over the back all he wants. It's going to be a foul. But if you're not putting that pressure on him, and if you're allowing him to just have the space, jump over you, and there's no contact, I'm sorry, but that's on you. And so you need to put that effort in. And there were times in this game where I just did not see it. Uh, And that was very frustrating, if you ask me. Now, one thing I'll say, I don't get what is or isn't a shooting foul from behind the arc. Uh, we saw it with Mike Conley at one point where they it's one of those things where you're going, you get screened, and you cut. And then when you see the defender go over the screen, you slow down so they hit you and you throw the shot up. Mike Conley got away with that and got the three, three free throws. But then D'Lo does the exact same thing, nothing. Gets the foul, not a shooting foul. And it happened two or three times in this game to the Wolves. And it's frustrating because game to game, I don't think that call is made consistently. I really would love to see the NBA put a better emphasis on figuring out what when they're going to call that when they're not. And in fact, I'll say this. I wouldn't mind if the NBA made a rule change where they said, all right, here's the deal. If you're going to stop short, we'll call that foul, but we will not ever give you the shot, right? It's kind of like the sweep through that Kevin Martin made famous. That sweep through, they don't give you the shot on that. 
to me, the stopping short on three-point shots when the defender's trying to go, let's say, above the screen, to me, I think that is a part of the game that's just a little frustrating. And so I would not mind if they just said, look, here's the deal. We're going to call that as a foul if, you, if it happens, but you don't get shots. That would be something I think the lead could, lead could definitely look, look at. Jazz, though, going on a small run to end the third, and they get helped by an awful call. Reed gets absolutely hammered inside, and it gives the Jazz a fast break. And Jim Pete was livid at this point, and it's a possible four-point swing. We talked about this in, we talked about this earlier. This is such a, a very frustrating problem. We saw this in that Pistons game a number of times where bad calls led to easy points for the opposition, and that's, that has to change. I want the NBA to have better officiating. Unfortunately, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Now, the Wolves up just nine after a 10-2 run to end the third for the Jazz. So the Jazz are right back in this game, and there's a lot of game left. And think about this. You're in Utah, and they have some fans that are allowed to come in. There's lots of things going in Utah's favor. They definitely have a lot of momentum. Jordan Clarkson, however, seems to be single-handedly keeping the Jazz in this one as he hits two straight ugly threes. Threes where it seemed like he felt like he was going to get foul calls, didn't, still made the shots. And it was, like I said, ugly shots to say the least. But they go in, and just like that, the Jazz are just down five, and they are still on a big run. Now the Wolves are able to hold the lead at seven as a back and forth ensues in the middle of that fourth quarter. Wolves are in the trenches fighting for the rebound and back up 10 after an offensive board and a huge two-handed dunk by Josh Kogi. Cat, unfortunately, ends up going down in this one. Gets, you know, it's kind of a goofy play, uh, but he definitely looks hurt. This is with about five minutes to go in that fourth quarter. Wolves are up 103.95. They show the replay, and even in real time, it looked like this, but they show the replay, and he was clearly fouled by Rudy Gobert and another no call. He comes down on his wrist, and you're worried because, you know, he had that broken wrist last year, and you say to yourself, what ha- we don't want to have take a chance that that happens again. There's any issues there, you're going to miss time, but he does go straight to the locker room. Russell says, you know what, I'm going to take over from this game because if Towns is out, I got this. And just like that, he hits two rainbow shots. Fantastic looking as he's able to really take, start to take over this game when Towns has to sit. Now I say this, you, in this game at times, you even breathe on the Jazz and it's a foul. And you look at what the Wolves are going for, whether it's the Talons play, whether it's the Nas Reed play, a number of plays where I felt like lots of contact was treated differently than very minimal contact, which is what they got. Very frustrating. Again, this just is consistency. All I ask for is consistency. Donovan Mitchell, two straight threes, and with 2.15 to go in this one, the Jazz are down just four. Wolves, though, back up to eight. And just like that, Towns is sitting at the scorer's table ready to check back in. Russell gets fouled in another no call. The Wolves up six, and Towns still hasn't gotten back in as no stoppages have occurred. And a shocker, on the other end, Russell gets fou- called for a BS foul, and it's so frustrating. Russell gets fouled, no call. On the other end, almost nothing happens. They're like, well, we got to call that. It's so frustrating, and all I want is consistency, and we're just not getting it. Uh, Beasley, though, able to score, and he gets fouled, but no call again as the Wolves go up six with 37 seconds to go in this one. Russell, though, fouls Clarkson on a three, and it's one of those frustrating things where he just kind of reaches and slaps in. Didn't even look like a ton of contact. In fact, in real time, I thought he got ball, but you can't take that chance as now he's going in for three shots. Russell then turns it over, and Gobert scores. It's a two-point game, six seconds to go as Rubio is fouled. 
And if you wonder how the officiating has been, that foul with six seconds to go, the Jazz still had a foul to give. That's how limited the number of fouls that they had been called for had been. They throw it in. Russell then gets fouled, and he goes to the line, makes one free throw. So the Wolves are now up three with 4.7 to go. I mean, honestly, a huge miss uh, by Dilo to not make that free throw. And to me, he has had some issues to end this game. I thought he was solid overall, but towards the end of this game, a lot of uh, things did not go his way, and he didn't have his best basketball, to say the least. Wolves, though, great defense, and they were able to get a five-second call. Wolves get the ball back. Immediately, Russell is fouled as they inbounds, and just like that, we call that game. Wolves win 116-111, to and they are now 2-0. and I think there's two or three teams, maybe four teams, I know the Clippers are one of them that are undefeated, a Clippers team that we're going to be playing soon. So that's going to be one thing to watch for. Looking at the box score and some of the numbers that we see from this game, uh, a lot to like again. You're talking about Carl Towns. Uh, interestingly enough, though, whether it's Towns, Beasley, Russell, not real efficient. 32% from the field for Towns, 41% for Beasley, and 43 for Russell. But, you know, that's, that's, that's all we need when you have these other guys Jared Culver, 72% from the field, 5 of 7. Anthony Edwards uh, had another fantastic game, 8 of 12, 67% from the field. So much to like from some of these players. 18 points, 2 steals, an assist, and a rebound. You know, there's a little bit of everything from Anthony Edwards. And then, of course, Jared Culver, 3 of 3 from the 3. Lots to like from his game also. In terms of plus-minus, kind of interesting. D'Angelo Russell, minus 9. Nas Reed, minus 9. A little strange there. And then minus four for Josh Okogie. Uh, the big winners in this one were Culver, Beasley, and Towns. Again, the final score in this one, 116 to 111. All right, so the third game of the season, of the regular season, that is, is in the books. We're going to talk about that right now. That is the Wolves taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. And for anyone that's not aware, of course, we had the unfortunate news just uh, yesterday before the game started that while Carl Towns does not have a broken wrist, which is great news, he does, in fact, uh, he did, in fact, have a dislocated wrist. So, unfortunately, he was not available for this game, and he's not going to be available for a number of games in the future. He's going to miss, it sounds like, you know, somewhere around two to four weeks. Now, the one thing that people need to realize about dislocations is dislocations can happen again. Once you've had one dislocation, depending on how it happens, you can be more prone to them in the future. It doesn't sound like that's the case with what happened with Carl Towns. Uh, from what I heard from some uh, medical professionals is that what what happened in his case is that it dislocated and then kind of slid back into place on its own. It's going to take some time. There's a lot of swelling. It's going to be painful, and that's why he's going to sit out. He does not need surgery, which is a good thing, and it sounds like uh, the ligaments uh, could have been a lot worse than they are. So that's a good thing to see. So, again, no surgery. Uh, it's not the, the best scenario, but it's definitely not the worst, which is good to see. So let's jump into this Laker game. Anthony Davis not playing for the Lakers, which is good for the Wolves, but you're missing Towns. And Towns being missed for the Wolves is a bigger deal than Anthony Davis missed for the Lakers because guess what? They still have LeBron James. So any night you have LeBron James is a good night. Let's just say that. So this is regular season game number three. Start off, let's talk about when did Kyle Kuzma become a Hall of Fame player? I mean, seriously, the guy could not miss. And it didn't matter how difficult 
the shot was, he was going to hit it early in this game, and he really took the wind out of our sails early on, and I felt like the Wolves honestly never recovered. A 15-4 to Lakers to start. A Wolves start 3-9 of nine from the field, not shooting well, and I'm sorry, I, I'm not going to, but Jake Lehman, I'm not going to pull punches, Jake Lehman has been bad. I mean, he stinks right now, he does. If you watched this game, if you watched the first two games, Jake Lehman is basically bringing almost nothing to the table, and that has to change. So Lehman's not the only one. Obviously, we've talked about Wancho. Uh, that'll uh, We'll talk about that a little later in this game as well. D'Angelo Russell honestly looks bad to start. Missing every shot. This goes back to the living and dying. And unfortunately, in this case, this is dying with D'Angelo Russell. This is a player that is just not hitting those shots. And with Towns out, you needed Russell to step up in this game. And so far, when you're watching it, didn't do it. Lakers start 6 of 6 from 3. And many were super tough shots. Kyle Kuzma, of course, still cannot miss. It's, if he shoots it, it's going in. It just doesn't matter whether it's... I mean, he had a shot where a player was draped all over him. I think it was Josh Okogie. Didn't make a difference. Kyle Kuzma hit it, fading away to the side. It just It's one of those things where you watch this game to start and you felt like it just wasn't going to be the Wolves' night. 28-14 uh, to 14 is the score with four minutes to go. And honestly, at this point, I felt like the game was already over. Wolves basically losing and looking bad in all facets of the game right now down 20 points so far and I would say at least at this stage in the game I couldn't really see any positives I'm watching this going there's nothing positive to take out of the game at this point when we're talking about in, uh, you know in the first quarter Beasley with a great drive and one makes the free throw and Wolves looking for any sort of momentum at this point so it was good to see Beasley really going out there laying it all out on the court Beasley is one of those guys that I just think he doesn't turn it off. He brings it every night. He's a really good competitor, and we saw that in this game. Anthony Edwards comes in, and he takes some very questionable shots. Uh, the selection, the shot selection was just not great for him in this game for stretches. Not not in, not fully, not the whole game, but there, to start the game for sure. Although I will say he takes a three. He gets clearly fouled in front of our bench. What happened was, so initially when you're watching it, you think he gets hit in the arm. They show another angle. He doesn't. The reason why Anthony Edwards and the coaching staff was so upset was that the landing area was impeded on. And that's, a, to me, first of all, that's a dangerous play. You can really hurt a guy doing that. And so that was really upsetting to see that happen. And, of course, it happened right in front of our bench. Ryan is livid. Ends up getting a tech as he yells right at the official. And what I will say is that I love that by Ryan, especially since the team really needs a spark. And so it was one of those calculating moves, I think, by Ryan in that moment. It was good to see. After one quarter, Wolves are down 40-23. to 23. Now, I will say this. I can't remember the last time a team was this amazing from three. Now, when they were, it was probably against the Wolves team, let's be honest. We are notorious in our history for, number one, letting role players look like superstars, but also letting teams get super hot from three, and this game was no exception. Lakers just cannot miss, but what I'm seeing is when you started the game, at least you were locked in a little bit defensively, but now the shots they're getting that are going in are wide open, and so it's almost like the Wolves feel deflated, and I think there's always going to be a little bit of that when you lose your best player, right? Some players are going to have that you know defeatism they're going to come into the game and just be a little down maybe won't have their same uh, level of play but you can't do that this is the NBA you can't do that and I do think that we saw a little bit of this in the game Ed Davis continues to not impress 
already has three fouls, barely in the game, and the guy gets three fouls, ends up getting pulled. He's got to be better than that. With Towns out, you need players to step up. And so far, the guys that you would look at to find a way to step up, to play better basketball, just aren't doing it. At least, I mean, in this this one-game sample size, we're not going to overreact. But in this one game, that's all we have to look at. I expected more from a number of players, and we did not get it. 50-27 to is the score. Lakers on a 14-6 to run. This is getting out of hand quickly. And I'm watching this feeling the Lakers might hit 150 or more in this one. I mean, seriously, it felt that bad in stretches. Rubio, uh, one of the lone bright spots, some nice drives, and then a great fake and shuffle to the left, able to hit a three. He now has nine points, two rebounds, and two assists. A funny thing, I'm not going to call this person out, but I got a text message from a friend, and I couldn't watch this game live. I had to start it a little late, and I had DVR'd it. But I get a text message from a friend who just said something along the lines of, Wancho stinks or Wancho sucks. And so I'm sitting here watching the game going, oh, well, I mean, he's been really poor to start the season. That's, that's really unfortunate. And then I'm watching, and, and at least to start, Wancho has by far the best game that he's had. And so I'm sitting here saying to myself, wrong time to call out Wancho. You had two games to call Wancho out. If you're going to watch this game, you need to call him out for actually looking pretty good as he goes on a run of his own. And then the Timberwolves, 8-0 run, now down 15. Love the fight from the bench. So again, love the fight from the bench. It's good to see Wancho being at least a little productive and finally hitting some shots. And the hope is, if you're going to get a, a, a bright spot from this game, maybe Wancho wakes up, right? We're not seeing it so far from Jake Lehman, but can Wancho wake up and be that productive player we saw from last season? He's not a guy that's going to just dominate games, right? Not a great defender. And he is going to find value in his ability to make shots. Speaking of making shots, the Lakers so far shooting 63% from the field. And honestly, another little positive at this stage because they were at 71%. Short-lived as Lakers up 23, 535 to go in the first half. Josh Okogie then drives in and he goes down and he is hurt from bad to worse as Dave Benz puts it. And it definitely looks bad as he has to be helped off trouble putting weight on his left leg. Losing another player, honestly, is just not what the Wolves need right now, especially a player as important as a Kogi. He has that position flexibility, one of the best, if not the best, on-ball defenders on the team. Just very frustrating. And another losing battle on the glass in this game. So another thing you take and you watch from this game, and early on in the season, that's a little bit of a red flag. And when you're missing Towns, it's going to be that much more difficult to out-rebound a team. As So far, we are down 22-17 to in that area. Edwards finally joins the party as he hits a three, 234 to go, Wolves down 63-41. to Another player, we talk about D'Lo, we really needed our guy Edwards to step up, and at least early on, he was not able to do that. And I'm not trying to put this huge pressure on a rookie, but let's keep in mind, he has been playing really, really good, and even if you just got the same production and the same efficiency you got in games one and two, that would have helped. We did not get that here. 67-45 is the halftime score. Lakers led by as many as 26 in the first half. I will say this. Second half starts with Wancho in that starting lineup, and to me it's very well-deserved, at least in this game specifically. And then, of course, Culver starts because you do have Josh Okogie, who is still out. Uh, Good news at this stage when you're watching is they talk about it just being cramps. So there was worries that it could have been some sort of like a hamstring injury. Sounds like it was just cramps. Again, not worst-case scenario. Not best case because you don't want to lose them at all, but it could have been a lot worse. 
Reed starts the scoring for the Wolves with a three in that second half. Uh, let's him get let's get him back to his last season shooting. He was a very reliable three point shooter. When he shot it, I felt like there was a good chance that it was going to go in. I have not gotten to that point with him so far this season. Again, I have no idea what his, a shooting foul is. I want to talk about that. For Russell, time and time again, he gets fouled shooting, and they say it's on the floor this year. And what's frustrating, not only is that specifically frustrating, but it's frustrating because he gets called for the same fouls, and they give the other players the benefit of the doubt as far as shooting versus being on the floor. Very frustrating. I don't know if anyone else has watched that, but it's been a consistent issue. Feels like a good goal at this point is to win the half because you're not winning the game. That's the way I see it. Uh, second half so far, more Lakers, still not enough Wolves as early lead up to 26 again, which was their biggest lead from the first half. With this game, LeBron now ties KG for double-digit scoring games at 1,260 in his career. Very cool to see, and it seems like a lot of times stats like this come up against teams where it matters, right? So he's playing the Wolves when he ties KG. I just think things like that are kind of cool. Wolves already with 13 turnovers not valuing the ball like they did against the Jazz. We talked about this a lot when I watched that Jazz game. The Wolves value the basketball, and you're not seeing it so far in this game. Beasley scores a tough basket inside, and he has been one of the few bright spots. I love his fight on both ends and on the glass so far this season. As we said, Beasley scores a tough basket inside and a few bright spots. Let's see if he can keep it going. Maybe the Wolves can make some sort of a positive impression. Lakers, though, putting on a clinic with their ball movement, and a Gasol 3 puts the lead up to 31. And we are the game is 103-67 to after 3. This game, we talked about it in the second quarter, felt over. It's definitely over now. So we're trying to find positives where we can. Good to see Vanderbilt and J-Mac in a bit. Have to find positives in games like this, although it isn't always easy. Lehman with a nice drive and a finish. That's the player we expected to see starting for us. Can he use this game to springboard himself into being a more positive player. Layman, another good finish. I see confidence, and that is what he needs. Would love to see a three-point shot go in for him because when he shoots a three-point shot right now, I know it's not going in. There's just no confidence there. Wolves down 36 at the under-seven timeout. Culver is in and sadly not playing productive minutes, making mistakes, which is too bad because we need this confidence. We need his confidence to be there. It is far more important than him just getting minutes in, in a meaningless game at this point. McDaniel's finally in, and developmental minutes are going to be important for him, especially given the G League bubble has not started yet, and we don't actually even know if the Wolves are actually setting a team. I will say this, Vanderbilt not impressing me at all in this game or in others when he's played. I don't, you know, I watch a guy that dominates in the G League, but so far that has not translated. The team had high hopes for him, and that was a big reason why they traded for him. They did not see him as just a throw-in. I'd like to see that too, but it hasn't happened while he's been here. Wolves really seem to be playing like they just want this game to be over. That much is clear. McDaniels, though, hits his first career three-point bucket of his of the night. Uh, but of his career, that's the first three-point shot that he has made. And then he backs it up with some nice plays on both ends. And then he hits another corner three. Very cool to see for his confidence. And if you're going to take anything from this game, to me, that's a, a big thing is to see the development, to see positives from him. And then just we'll end this game on, on another note. FSN scoreboard during this game was missing for a large part of the fourth quarter. And to me, that's fitting because that's how bad this game was. Final score, 127 to 91. And that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. We're not going to go over the box score. It's not pretty and it doesn't tell the story. There's nothing you want to hear about it. Let's just say that. But those are our first three regular season games. That's going to do it for this week's edition of The Howl. 
Remember, you can find us every week on Dash Radio's Nothing But That channel. And if you miss us on Dash Radio, you can find us anywhere great podcasts are found, whether that's Podient, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. We are on all platforms. And, of course, you can find us at The Howl Radio on Twitter, and you can interact with us. We definitely want you to ask us questions. If there's things you want us to touch on on the show, feel free to reach out. And until next week, let me get a howl.